that's a tough song to sing uh, when it doesn't feel like things are going well, right? When it doesn't feel like things are well uh, with your soul, but that's a, a beautiful reminder for one another that, that if we have placed our faith in Jesus, if we have, uh, if we have entered into relationship with the Lord of all things, uh, then no matter what happens, no matter what comes against us, we can know that, that our soul is at peace. Our soul is at rest. That's, that's part of being a people living for eternity today is we, we have a, a mindset that isn't trapped by the temporary and a mindset that's able to say that, that yes, the things that are going on today are not good, uh, but I know that because of my relationship with the Lord, I know that because of the forgiveness that I have in Jesus, that it is well with my soul and it is good that we're able to sing that and praise that uh, together with one another this morning. I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 11 this morning. Luke chapter 11. We're continuing our series uh, called Catching the Vision uh, as we are discovering what it is that God wants us to be as a church. What is it that God wants us to do as a church? We started out talking about our mission statement that we are a family of faith living for eternity today. Uh, and then the last two weeks uh, we have discussed uh, couple of our values, that we want to foster authentic community as a body of believers, and, uh, and that we want to apply the scriptures, that we want to, uh, to not just know what the Bible says, although we certainly want to know it, but we want to apply it to our lives. And this, uh, this week, we're going to open up and we're going to talk about another one of our values, and that's operate through prayer. We want to operate through prayer. We value a culture of corporate and personal prayerfulness. We value a culture of corporate and personal prayerfulness. That means that we, as a church, want to be a praying church. We want to be a church that is functioning and operating through prayer. We don't, we don't just want to do prayer every now and then. Like we, we can throw up a prayer and say a few words to the Lord every, every now and then or as fillers in a service. We want to use prayer as, as the means by which we operate as a body of believers. So we value a culture where we are praying together, corporate prayerfulness, but also value where each of us is, is going off and having our time with the Lord, is going off and praying to the Lord in, our, uh, in everything that we do. As Paul says, pray continually. We value a culture of corporate and personal prayerfulness. We're going to see that this morning in Luke chapter 11, uh, beginning in verse 5. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this, beginning in verse 5. Uh, he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or his, uh, his perseverance, his, uh, his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. The father, uh, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let me pray for us. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for the great love with which you loved us. It's a love that we do not deserve. It's a love that we did absolutely nothing to earn, and yet, God, you have poured out and lavished upon us your infinite love in a a never-ending portion. So we thank you and praise you for that. Father, I pray that your word would would captivate our minds and and capture our hearts, God, so that you can shape and mold us into the image of Jesus. God, I pray we would be a people of your word, a people who long to apply it to our lives, a people who are are ready and willing to, to live exactly how you have called us to live. So this morning, God, as we open up your word, I pray that you would you would shape the way that we think, that you would shape the way that we act so that we could be a people who glorify and honor you in everything that we do. God, help us to rely on you, to not be content with what we can accomplish in our own means and our own abilities, but to rely on you as we operate through prayer. We love you and praise you. It's the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. George Mueller was an evangelist in uh, in England uh, during the 1800s. And what he's probably most famous for is not so much his evangelistic endeavors. What he's he's most famous for is starting an orphanage uh, in England, one of the the first of its kind. You see, in in England in the 1800s, if uh, you lost both of your parents, there really was no support for you. There was no uh, government system to help you out. There was no foster care. There was was nothing for you. And so a lot of the kids in England who lost their parents ended up on the streets. Uh, They were out uh, begging for money. They were out stealing for food. And they had a a generally difficult life. And so George Mueller, as a follower of Jesus, as someone who who loves the Lord and and know that the Lord loves those kids, he wanted to do something about it. He wanted to meet a need. So what he did is he established an orphanage. He brought in and cared for uh, dozens and then hundreds of kids uh, in England uh, and and taught them the gospel and showed them the love of Christ uh, as he he, uh, went about. Uh, establishing this orphanage. Now, what's incredible about George Mueller was his prayer life. George Mueller was a guy who trusted in the Lord for everything. Now, I don't agree with his uh, fundraising strategy, but he never asked anybody for money ever in his life, which is not a great budgeting technique. But he, uh, especially when you're trying to run an orphanage off donations, but he did trust the Lord and he prayed like crazy. And there were examples of George Mueller's life where he sat down at the dinner table with all of these kids not having anything to eat, like where he, he had nothing in the pantry, there was no food left, and yet he gathered all the kids together, and he sat down at the dinner table, and he prayed and thanked the Lord for the meal. And then as soon as he said amen, someone knocked on the door, and he opens the door, and a baker came by and said, hey, I have all this leftover bread and all this leftover milk that I wasn't able to sell today, and I just wanted to give it to the kids. And there is example after example like that in the life of George Mueller, where he, he prayed, and then by the time he said amen, he got exactly what he prayed for. Like, that's a guy who trusted the Lord and seemed to have, like, this direct connection, this direct line to God. And there are people like that. There are stories like that, and that amazes us. And then we look at our own lives, and for many of us, we feel like we don't have whatever he had. Like we don't have that connection to God that George Mueller seemed to have because we say prayers and they seem to just go away. Like so many times we lift up a prayer to the Lord and it doesn't seem like we get any response. We, 
we pray and, and beg and plead for God to do something, and it's like talking to a wall because there, there seems to be no answer. Well, the disciples who had spent so many years with Jesus uh, they, were, they were going around with him, and at one point they saw Jesus praying. And like George Mueller, clearly Jesus literally had this direct connection to the Lord. Right? Jesus had this direct connection to God the Father, being you know, God the Son. Uh, he had this direct connection. And so when Jesus prayed, things happened. Right? There's a, there's, disciples had so many examples of Jesus uh, feeding 5,000 people by blessing a meal, and, and, and 5,000 people eat from a few loaves of bread. Like they see so many examples of Jesus praying, and things happen. And so they, they see that Jesus seems to have this direct connection to the Father. And so uh, they asked Jesus a reasonable question. They said, hey, teach us how to pray. Can you, can you teach us how to do what you do? Because the, uh, the, John the Baptist, who is just a few months older than Jesus and, and prepared the way for Jesus, John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. And Jesus' disciples were hearing Jesus pray, and they're like, hey, teach us to do that. I, I want to be able to communicate to God. I want to be able uh, to, to ask God for things and have him meet our needs. So how do we pray? And Jesus responds, and what Luke records for us is a shorter version of what we probably know of from Matthew as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, what Luke records to us is Jesus' response when the disciples asked to learn how to pray. Jesus says, pray like this. Uh, if we go back a few verses in verse 2, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. So what Jesus is instructing the disciples to do is to pray certain themes. What he says at the beginning is, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. What he is instructing the disciples to pray is a recognition of who God is, that he is, he is the Lord of all. He is the creator. He is above all things. Hallowed be his name. He is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. And so pray that. Recognize who God is and then ask him for his kingdom to come. Align your heart with God's heart and long for and seek the kingdom of God to come here to earth. And he goes on and says, ask for your daily bread. Ask the Lord to forgive your sins uh, and ask the Lord to, to, to rescue you from temptation. So what he's saying is ask the Lord to meet your needs. Believe that he can do it. Believe that he can meet your physical needs, those, the daily bread moments, the things that you need to just stay alive. Ask the Lord to meet your needs and believe that he can do it. And ask the Lord to meet your spiritual needs. Forgiveness of sins, escape from temptation, and believe that he can do it. So that's what Jesus is instructing his disciples to do. He's saying, pray in this way. Recognize who God is. Align your heart with his. And recognize that he wants to meet your needs. And he wants uh, your physical and your spiritual needs. That he's capable of meeting all of those things. So he teaches his disciples to pray. And, and uh, my fear is that many of us, we already know, at least instinctively in some way, what we want to say to the Lord. We have a basic idea of what we want to, to lift up to God. When we talk about prayer, a lot of us are lifting up prayers. We have things that, we're, that are on our minds, they're on our hearts, they're things that we're anxious about, and we're throwing them up to the Lord. Our question is not how do we pray. A lot of times our question is why should we? Like we recognize that we need to operate through prayer, and we recognize that, that we, uh, it, it sounds spiritually right. <laughs> Right? That we need to lift up prayers to the Lord, that we need to have a time of, of personal prayerfulness, that we need to have a time where we, as a church, pray together. We recognize that we need to operate through prayer because that sounds spiritually true, but in the back of our minds, a lot of times we're wondering why. Why bother? 
lifting up prayers to the Lord, because so many times in our lives we lift up prayers, we, we say things to God, we, we talk with him, and it's almost as if talking to a wall. They just, they just leave and go out into some empty universe never to be responded to. And so our question a lot of times is not what should we pray, our question is why bother praying at all? Why should we operate through prayer? What Jesus teaches in this passage in Luke chapter 11 is that we need to confidently and consistently operate through prayer. We need to confidently and consistently operate, uh, operate through prayer. And Jesus is well aware of our hesitation. Like he is well aware that we are questioning why we should pray at all. Which is why Jesus immediately responds and immediately following his teaching on how to pray, he follows it up with two reasons of why we should pray. Why is it that we need to operate through prayer? And the first thing that Jesus does to, to introduce this answer is to tell a story, as Jesus so often does. Uh, and this is the story that Jesus tells. Verse 5, he says, Which of you has a friend uh, who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. So Jesus sets the scene. He says, how many of you, uh, and this is, it's a scene that's very foreign to all our culture, so I have to explain it a little bit. But, but uh, essentially, he's saying you're, you're at home, you're about to get ready for bed, and then you hear a knock at the door, and you open the door, and here's a friend of yours who lives far away, and they've traveled, and they've come to your doorstep. It's late at night, it's midnight. Uh, but they've, they've arrived at your doorstep, and they need, they need a place to stay for the night. Now, in that culture, if you don't bring them in and you don't put before them food, you don't give them a, 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 a whole southern hospitality, uh, you don't, if you don't do that for them, that is incredibly rude. I mean, it is unbelievably rude to not set food before them and not bring them into your home. And so imagine this happens, you're getting ready for bed, you hear a knock on the door, you open it up, here's your friend from so many miles away, they've arrived and they're asking for food and you check your pantry and you're out. You have nothing to give this guy. That sets you in a really difficult spot, right? Because you, you are uh, possibly going to be incredibly rude. And I, I can't think of how to explain how rude it is to not set food out and to bring someone, someone in in this culture. Uh, there was, uh, at one point, I was at a, a wedding rehearsal and um, I was standing around with a group of people and the father of the bride came over to me and handed me uh, his trash and walked away like I worked there. And I remember just immediately thinking, that was very rude. Right? That was unbelievably rude. Well... In this instance, to not set food before the traveler and to bring him in would have been even more rude than that. So all of those sensibilities that say, wow, I can't believe anybody would do that, is going against this guy because he, if he doesn't set food out, doesn't bring him in, it's incredibly rude. So what does the guy do? He runs to his neighbor's house. He's like, I don't have any food. There are no supermarkets. I'm going to ask my neighbor. So he runs over to his neighbor's house. He knocks on the door. And we see uh, in verse 7, the neighbor will answer him from within, uh, do not bother me, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything. So again, we can totally understand the situation. Uh, you run over to your neighbor's house, you knock on the door, you bang on the door, you're like, hey, I need food for this guy that just showed up at my house, can you give me some food? And again, it's late at night. And the way that their houses worked in those days is they were generally 
just one room uh, for the most part, unless you were fabulously wealthy. But generally, it's one room. And they, at night, they would, they would bolt the door shut, uh, and then the whole family would sleep on mats in the, in the, in the one room. Uh, and so it's dark, it's hard to get around and operate without waking and tripping over the entire family. Uh, and so for this guy to come knocking on the door and say, hey, uh, give me some food right now, the guy on the inside understandably says, uh, no. Right? He says, hey, um, I'm asleep, the door is bolted, my kids are asleep in the room, like, please go away. Uh, it's your problem, not mine. <laughs> right? That's, I mean, we can kind of understand that, I imagine, if uh, if someone tried to wake you up in the middle of the night with a, a seemingly meaningless request for you, uh, something that you're not at all a part of, you might be a little uh, annoyed as well. But that's what's going on here with this guy. He's knocking on the door saying, please give me food. And the guy inside saying, uh, no, take care of it yourself. <laughs> if you're, it, this story doesn't resonate well with us in our culture, but in Jesus' day, I mean, they would be cracking up at this story. Uh, they, they can see, oh, I can so see the situation, right? They're just, they are cracking up because here's a guy uh, who is on the verge of being incredibly rude and his friend's not going to help him out. His friend is not going to get up and to give him some bread, give him some oil and other things that would go with it. So this guy is, is right on the edge of being just the biggest jerk in the community. But what happens is, we go on, in verse 8, I tell you, though he, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. What we see happen next in the story is that when the guy is told no, he doesn't just go back home. Or when the guy goes and knocks on his neighbor's door and says, hey, I need bread, I need food for this guy that came uh, to my house at midnight, when the guy on the inside says, uh, no, go away, he doesn't leave. He keeps knocking. He keeps asking. He keeps saying, hey, uh, yeah, but really, I need bread. <laughs> and the guy keeps saying, no, go away. He keeps asking and keeps knocking and keeps asking and keeps knocking and keeps begging. And then finally, the guy gets up, he unbolts the door, and he gives him food. What we see here is that the man who's knocking on the door firmly believes that the guy on the inside is going to give him bread. If, if he walks up to the door, and in his mind he's like, oh, it's 50-50. I'm not really sure if he'll get up and give me anything or, or, uh, or if he's just going to stay asleep. And he knocks on the door, and from the inside the guy yells, no, go away. Then the, then the man will say, fine, you know, I didn't think he was going to give it to me anyways, and then walk away. But this man is firmly convinced that if he just keeps knocking, if he just keeps asking, the guy on the inside is going to give him the bread. And so he does. He keeps asking. He keeps knocking. He keeps begging. And eventually he hears some rustling on the inside. He maybe hears some groaning and some, ah, fine, and some cuss words. But, uh, but he does hear some things going on on the inside. He uh, hears some pots and pans banging, the door on latches. And out comes bread. And, because, and it wasn't because they were friends. It wasn't because they were buddies. It wasn't because the guy on the inside just liked the guy on the outside so much that he was willing to get up in the middle of the night and to help him out. It was because he kept persisting. It's because he kept asking. It was because he was fully confident that as long as he continued to ask, 
he would eventually get an answer. What Jesus is teaching in this story, the reason why we need to continue to go to the Lord in prayer, the reason that we need to operate through prayer and to continue to pray, even when the prayers that we say seem to be going out uh, to the middle of nowhere, what Jesus is teaching is that God always answers our prayers. Because let me tell you what he's not teaching. What Jesus is not teaching in this passage is that God doesn't want to answer our prayers, and if we just bug him enough, then he'll eventually decide to do it. That's not the idea uh, in this passage. That's not the idea that uh, Jesus is trying to get across. What Jesus is pointing out and highlighting in the story is the persistence of the guy who's knocking on the door. And the reason he's persistent is because he is firmly convinced that eventually the guy on the inside is going to give him food. He is 100% confident that the guy on the inside will help him out, so he keeps asking, and he keeps begging. And that's what Jesus is teaching us about prayer, that if, if we continue to ask, like God is going to answer our prayer. He always does. He will always answer, and we need to be fully confident that as long as we continue to ask, we can continue to bring prayers and requests before the Lord because he's going to answer. He always answers our prayers. That's why Jesus explains in verse 9, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks uh, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What Jesus is explaining is that if you ask, you will get an answer. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, eventually the door will be opened to you. God is in the business of answering our prayers. He always does. There, there is never a moment, there is never a time when we lift up a prayer to God and he doesn't respond to it. He always answers our prayers. And so if we are praying to the Lord, if we are passionate about something, if we are anxious about something, if we're worried about something, and we lift up a prayer to the Lord, we can be fully confident that God is going to respond. Because God always responds to our prayers. I don't know who in here needs to hear that this morning. Maybe you are tired of lifting up the same prayer over and over and just begging God to move. Like you are just, you are tired of saying prayers and, and feeling like they're going nowhere, that God doesn't listen, that God isn't hearing you. You're tired of lifting things up to the Lord and nothing happening. What Jesus is promising here in the passage is that God is listening. God hears and he always answers may not be in the timing that we like. The neighbor in this story didn't open the door the first knock. It wasn't the timing that the neighbor would have wanted. But he kept asking because he was confident that he would get an answer, that the man on the inside was going to give him bread. And in the same way, we can keep lifting up our prayers to the Lord with confidence that he's answering them. That he is going to respond. Those who ask, receive. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, will have the door open to them. Uh, James, later on in the book of James, he, he explains that if you don't have, it's because you don't ask. Right? If we are not seeing God move in a mighty way in our lives, it's probably because we're not asking him to. 
If we're not seeing God move in a mighty way in our church, it's probably because we're not seeking a movement of God, that we're not crying out to him and begging him to move in a mighty way in the life of our body of believers. If we ask, he will respond. If we seek, we will find. If we knock, the door will be open to us because God always answers our prayer. So we can be confident as we lift up our prayers. I know it feels weary and burdensome to keep praying the same thing over and over, feeling like there's no reply. But again, what Jesus is teaching in this passage is be confident knowing that God is answering. He always does. The second thing that Jesus teaches about uh, why we should pray is not just that God always answers our prayer, but that God always gives the best answers. God always gives the best answers. Look with me in verse 9. Excuse me, verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus kind of gives this humorous example, and he says, if you as a human ask your human parent for, a, a, for dinner, how many of those human parents are then going to give you a venomous snake uh, to kill you? Uh, very few. Right? Maybe some. <laughs> this is, a, this is, a, this is a, an imperfect world. It's an imperfect example. But uh, it's a general principle. Parents know how to give good things to their kids. Parents want to lavish on their kids good things as a, as a general principle. If I'm hanging out with my dad and I get hungry and I ask dad, can we eat a pizza? He's not going to put a tire on my plate and say, eat this. <laughs> right? Generally, parents know how to give good gifts to their kids. And Jesus is kind of one-upping that. He's saying if you as fallen, imperfect people know how to give gifts to your kids, how much more do you think that the holy, almighty, righteous, heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts to his kids. If humans can watch out for their kids and give them good gifts, how much more is God going to care for kids? How much more is God going to care for his people and to give, him, give us the best answers, the best responses? When we lift up our prayers to the Lord, we can be confident knowing that he's going to answer, and when he does, it will be the best answer. Because God always gives the best answers. I may not feel like that all the time. So many of us, I know, have the experience of, of crying out to God on behalf of a, a loved one or a friend. And crying out to God saying, God, heal him. God, rescue her. Cry out to God and we, we beg him to move in that person's life. We beg him to perform this, this healing on their life because we love them. We want to see them around. And so we lift up these prayers and we cry out to God time and time again saying, God, heal this person, save this person from death, only to get a call moments later that they took a turn for the worse. And then to continue to pray and say, God, work a miracle. God, do something incredible. Do something that only you can do only to attend their funeral a week later. Like, we know that feeling. And in those moments, it doesn't feel like God gives the best answers. 
in those moments, it doesn't feel like God answered our prayer at all. And we can get mad at God and we can level uh, arguments against him. We can shake our fist and be livid that he didn't respond. But what Jesus is teaching is that we can have confidence that God does always give the best answer. That's part of being a people living for eternity today, being this family of faith that, that has eternity in mind. It's that we have a higher view of God and we have a, a different perspective on life that we recognize that our view of what's best, our view of what is good, is not always in line with what God's is. And God ultimately knows what is good. So when we ask for things, when we beg him to move, when we ask him to do something very specific in our lives and he doesn't, it's not because he doesn't love us. It's not because he doesn't want to give us what, he, uh, what we want. It's because he wants to give us what's best. He wants to answer our prayers in the best way possible. We need to trust that God, who created all things and is over all things, has control of all things, and loves all of us, is ultimately good and can give good gifts. Those moments that we cry out to God and it doesn't seem to go our way. We have to trust that God is giving the best answers. And we can't always explain it. There are times where, where we are mad and we are angry and we can pretty quickly see maybe why God acted in a certain way, why, why God didn't seem to respond to our prayers. I have seen people come to know Christ at funerals. I have seen revivals break out in, in a family because of the loss of a loved one who knew Jesus. I have seen Christians who were hurting, who were struggling in life, enter into the presence of God where they are free from pain, free from sorrow, and free from misery. And so we can pretty quickly see in some cases why God chose to act in a certain way. But that's not always the case. But what we can be confident in is the fact that God does answer our prayers, and he always gives the best answers. And so we continue to pray. I think about my own journey coming here to Freedom Fellowship. Last February, 2020, uh, I was approaching my last year of seminary. And, and so I started asking around, putting out uh, feelers, using contacts, just trying to see where God would open the door to pastor. I know that's what he uh, had called me to do. That was uh, what he has equipped me for. And so I, I knew that was his will. I just didn't know where and what it would look like. So I began just seeking God's will in that. and uh, Began praying every night, God, open, open the door. Do... Uh, give me the opportunity to do what you've called me to do and equipped me for. I am ready. Open the door. And then a month later, coronavirus hit. And uh, it's, uh, all of seminary went online. And so I, I ended up moving back to Houston and still prayed every night. God, God, open the door. And talk about saying prayers and feeling like they're just going out to nowhere. This is night after night after night for months saying, God, open the door. And it wasn't like I was wondering whether I was asking something that was in accordance with God's will. I knew it was, right? I, God had firmly revealed to me. He'd called me as a pastor. He'd equipped me for it. That I'm firmly convinced of that. And so I knew what I was asking was within the will of God, but I kept praying every night, God, open the door. God, give me the opportunity. Night after night after night, it seemed to go absolutely nowhere. So finally in July, last year I prayed, 
God, if you're going to be a while, that's fine. But uh, I'm still praying that you open the door. But if you're going to take a long time, that's fine. I'll go get a a full-time secular job with my business degree and just wait for you to open the door. If If that's what you want, just make it abundantly clear that you are moving. Like, make it abundantly clear that you are, you are working in a way to open a door. And if you're, if you're going to be a long time, I'll just go do that. Well, the next day, I got a text from a, a guy that I knew at the church I was at who asked uh, if I would want to uh, pressure wash with him part-time as a job. And that same day, I got an email from a professor at the seminary asking if I could grade some papers a part-time job. And then the next day, I booked three tutoring gigs as a way to make some extra money. And so I was like, all right, God, I get it. Part-time, right? This is temporary. I get it. You're, you're working. I won't go get a full-time job in the secular field. That's fine. Uh, and so I saw God move. But uh, again, that's July of last year, and I kept praying, God, open the door. God, open the door. Give me, give me the opportunity. Do what you have already said that you've called me to do and equipped me for. And I kept praying, and night after night, and nothing for months. Almost an entire year later, in April, God opened the door here at Freedom Fellowship. Very quickly. And I can say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God always gives the best answers. And I was able to continue to pray night after night because I know that God answers our prayers. He always does. And so I was able to continue to to beat down the door. I was able to continue to beg and continue to ask because I know and I'm fully convinced that God does answer our prayers. And when he did, praise God because he gives the best answers. It has been an amazing first six months here at Freedom Fellowship and I am so excited about the future of our church and I can say with confidence that when God answers our prayers, it is always with the best answers. So if it feels like your prayers are just going nowhere, if it feels like like God is not responding to you or not responding to you in the way that you would like, have confidence that God is answering your prayers and that he always gives the best answer. That's why we operate through prayer. We operate through prayer because we want God's answers. We want to see God move in a mighty way. We want to see God do what only he could do. If we are totally uh, fine with just doing what we can accomplish, then we don't have to pray at all. And if you are fine with living your entire life, achieving your maximum potential without the Lord, that's fine. Don't pray. But we want to operate through prayer because we're not okay. We are not content with just doing what we can do. We're not okay with just reaching our maximum potential and doing the very best that we can do because we are imperfect human beings who are limited in so many ways. But God, who created all things, has chosen by his love and his grace to operate through our prayers. So we bring prayers to the Lord. We continue to go before him and we ask and we seek and we knock and we continue to do it time and time again, because we know that he answers. And we know that when we bring things to the Lord and when he answers our prayer, it's always going to be the best answers, and we are looking forward to that. This morning, there are some of you who need to begin to pray. You're a follower of Jesus, but you are living your life as if you can accomplish it all on your own. And you may accomplish a lot of really good things, But you will never do things that will matter for an eternity in your own power and ability. 
So this morning, what you need to do is to begin to operate through prayer, to stop trying to figure things out on your own, to stop trying to, to do everything by your own abilities, and just call for God to move in your life and to move in this church. And there's some of you who, who are weary and are tired of praying because it feels like you're just saying the same thing over and over and over again and getting no response. And this morning, I want you to be comforted from the words of Jesus. That God does answer. And that when he does, it is always going to be the best answer that he can give. And it's going to be better than anything that we could have asked for. There's some of you here this morning who cannot pray like Jesus prayed. There's some of you here this morning that cannot pray the Lord's Prayer honestly because you do not worship God as Lord. You have never submitted to Jesus Christ as the King and the Lord of your life. So you cannot lift up a prayer to God saying, hallowed be your name, because you do not believe that. Your life reflects an idea that you are the Lord and that you are the King. You cannot honestly pray, God, your kingdom come, because you're not in the kingdom of God. You are an outsider looking in, so when the kingdom does come, you'll find yourself on the outside, and that will not be a good place to be. You can't pray, Lord, forgive my sins because you've never asked him to forgive your sins. You've never once lifted up a prayer to God and asked him to come in and to redeem you and to save you from your sins and your separation from him. So you can't pray, as Jesus said. This morning, you have the opportunity to enter the kingdom of God. You have the opportunity to receive the forgiveness of sins that comes from Jesus Christ. If you want to talk more about that, I would love to talk with you. So that you can have that view of God that allows you to say that no matter what comes, it is well with my soul. No matter how many times I lift up prayers, no matter how many times I go again and again to the throne, I can be confident knowing that he will give the best answer. So this morning, if that's you, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, if you've never repented from your sin and trusted him as Lord, I'm going to be right here as we sing. As we sing, I want to give you an opportunity just to come talk to me. I'd love to pray with you for a moment, and then after the service, we'll go into this room, and we'll just talk for a moment about what it means to follow Jesus. I'm going to pray for us, and as I do, I want you to lift up a prayer to the Lord. For some of you, this prayer is going to be the start of a life that is operate, operated through prayer. Because up till now, you have not been praying. So when I pray this prayer, I want this to be a start for you. I want this to be a springboard from which you can launch into a life that is operated through prayer. For some of you, I want this to be a refreshing moment where you can remem remember that God does answer your prayers and that they're always the best answers. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we trust you. We trust that, that your answers to our prayers are coming and that your answers to our prayers are good. And so we can lift up prayers to you. And we can come before your throne and, and, and offer up uh, thanks and praise. We can come before your throne and, and bring all of our anxieties and our fears and our worries and we can lay them at your feet because we know that you hear our prayers and that you answer our prayers. 
that the answers that you give are good. Father, help us to be a people that are not content with doing the things that we can accomplish. Help us to be a people that are excited about you moving in our lives and you moving in our church. So help us to be a people that can't help but operate through prayer because we can't do it all on our own. God, comfort us. Remind us every day that you are answering. Even when it doesn't feel like it, you are answering in your timing. And God, your answers are better than anything that we could ask. We love you, Father. We praise you. We trust you. Pray for those who have never entered a relationship with Jesus. I pray, Father, that you would give them new life today. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray.